Hello and welcome to episode number 106 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and we've got a few things to cover today. One, I want to take a victory lap on the latest White Sox news, and I want to talk a little bit about the Beat It solo that Eddie Van Halen did. Because since Eddie Van Halen passed, there's been a lot of Eddie Van Halen information and the story behind the Beat It solo I thought was pretty interesting. And we have to go back and talk briefly about a few customer service, either wins or fails, because there's been a lot of them for me this week. They seem to come in bunches, which is weird, but uh, everything in life seems to come in bunches. I was just on the phone with my mom and I talked about her a little bit recently because she went in. Thought she had some kind of stomach issue, and they found out she needed the double bypass. And the double bypass went really well, and she's doing really well from that. But they said they saw something in her colon that they wanted to take a look at, and she went in for the colonoscopy today, and she does have colon cancer. So fuck cancer. We need some more health karma to go her way, but it is localized. And uh, my wife pointed out via text, she's like, Well, how was it? What happened? And I said, well, they don't they didn't give her a stage. They didn't say it was stage one, two or anything like that. But they said it is localized in the colon. And my wife sent me back a message. Well, you know, there's a 90 percent chance, you know, a five year you know, survival rate when it's localized. You get like five years, 90 percent of the time you get five years. And I said, well, that's really good when you're 80 years old. So hopefully this is just a little blip. And uh will be able to be taken out with the surgery. But yeah, cancer sucks, but it's just a really good thing. She went into the hospital when she did because, uh, you know, she's never had health issues. So it's not like there's a lot of people. If you always have health issues, you're always going into the hospital. You're on a bunch of medication. That really wasn't where she was at. So this is a whole new thing for her, but uh, seems to be handling it well. And I do believe that they caught this early enough to you know uh to get to get it taken care of completely and it's one of those things i told her i'm like you know you you cursed yourself because i was talking about getting some stuff done because her and my dad are getting up there in age my dad said a whole bunch of health a bunch of health problems and it was back about the time this uh covid stuff started and she's like what do you think i'm gonna get sick or something and i'm like oh don't say that do not tempt the universe with that kind of stuff but hopefully the hard issue she said people don't believe her wouldn't believe her that some of her friends that she's talking to now that the heart surgery was easy she never was even on pain medication afterwards and i think maybe for like a day took the tylenol with the codeine but otherwise no major issues with having double bypass so She's healing well, so let's just hope the same goes for the colon surgery she's going to have. And again, lots of health karma for mom. Um, But they're big White Sox fans. We talked about that. They had White Sox season tickets for 35 years. So I know I talk about the White Sox a lot, even though I haven't really watched any White Sox games in the last couple of years because I got tired. I got tired of a team that I thought was not really even trying with the manager and the coaching staff that they were putting out there on the field. And I just wanted to take a little bit of a victory lap because I went back 
and wanted to see what I had said on Twitter. Maybe that's the only thing Twitter is good for, the social media crap that is turned so absolutely vile. But maybe the one thing it's good for is you can see this is kind of like the ultimate red book. They talk about that on the No Agenda show. When you're making a prediction, you put it down in a book and you want to be able to go back quickly and see if you were right or if you were wrong. Well, back on June 22nd, 2017, so over three years ago, I posted Ricky's Boys. Well, that's Ricky Renteria, White Sox. No, now ex-manager. Ricky's Boys aren't giving us the fundamentals as promised. It's obvious Renteria won't be the guy to bring another championship. Hey, well, that seems like it is turning out to be true. In August 17th of 2017, I said Renteria's moves make it clear he is incompetent or really does not want to win. And that was about the point I posted a shirt on Cafe Press or Teespring with a quote of Ricky Renteria's, which, if I remember correctly, was, quote, we're not always trying to win games, but we're always trying to make it respectable or something like that. And I just had a really big problem with any major league manager, even if you're on the crappiest of all teams in the world, saying, you know, we're not always trying to win games. I mean, isn't that the point that you were uh, hired to do? Isn't that what the team's supposed to be doing every day? Even if you're a baseball team and there have been some really crappy teams, they play 162 games a year normally. There have been some teams that have only won, you know, 50, 60 something games. For those, every game you go out there, aren't you trying to win? To say you're not always trying to win was uh, a very bad thing to say. For me as a fan, that was one of the big reasons I jumped off that train. And was like, well, I just don't care then. If you're not trying to win, I mean, I understand you're rebuilding and I understand you might not have a team to win a championship, but why would you say we're not always trying to win? We jumped to May 5th, 2018 on Twitter, where I posted, quote, lots of Sox fans have blocked or unfollowed me because I don't believe 100% in this rebuild. Sure, they seem to have talent coming up, but the same subpar staff is dealing with them all. Renteria isn't a great manager, and Cooper is downright bad. Technology has passed him by, and people fought me, man. People fought me. Don Cooper's the greatest pitching coach of all because the White Sox broadcasters, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it was in their contracts to say Don Cooper is the best in the business because they pushed it so much. I can't see any reason why they would do it unless their contracts required them to do so. There was a guy, and I'll, I'll give him credit because he took it well. This was from about two years ago or so. He, he tweeted me something like, uh, I think you're only like one of five people who know anything about baseball at all that don't, doesn't think Don Cooper is one of the you know best pitching coaches in the game. And uh, I just responded to that like two-year-old tweet with, I guess there are a few more now, huh? And he just responded with, screw them, LOL. And it's like, there you go. Uh, there's a few more now. Uh, back in uh, May of 2018, somebody else was arguing uh, that isn't it possible that, you know, Renteria and Cooper were learning from their mistakes. And I'm like, anything is possible. I hope they succeed. And I really did. Looking at the stats for Renteria and Cooper, I see nothing but a crap show. I hope I'm wrong. Truly, I do. I don't 
think I am, though. So two years later, we've been vindicated. The White Sox finally got rid of him in a year that nobody really cared about baseball. So I guess that's okay. But I'm seeing a lot of White Sox fans who are saying exactly what the Cub fans were saying the year before they won their one World Series. And the Cubs won their one World Series and almost lost it in the ninth inning of Game 7. I mean, it came very close to the Cubs not winning any of these World Series. But the year before that, they lost in the playoffs. And almost every Cub fan on social media had the same reaction, which was, it's okay, because we're at the start of a dynasty, man. We're going to be good for a decade. And that's what I'm seeing from White Sox fans now. And it's just not true. That's not the way sports are anymore. I mean, if sports are even still a thing, but that's not the way the system works anymore. There aren't teams that are dominant for long periods of time for various reasons. And you're just fooling yourself when you take losing and can turn that into, oh, but we're going to be good for a long time. Don't worry, because that is not guaranteed. You don't know that, which is why you have to do everything you can to win each and every game, Ricky Renteria. And if you, you admit you're going out there and not trying to win, that is instilling something of a really poor culture with your team and i hope that whoever they get to replace the uh the great ricky renteria i hope they can do the job because i would like to see the white Sox succeed i really would and there's been some talk mainly on social media of like oh aj perzinski and it's like okay wait because here's the thing that pissed me off the most about ricky renteria getting fired at this point i mean don cooper that was good news no matter what but Ricky Renteria getting fired, so you know they need a new manager. And immediately, it seems like it was the same press release of we're firing Ricky Renteria, was immediately followed by, oh, and no, White Sox fans, you dicks, we're not even going to think about Ozzie Guillen to replace him. And it's like, oh, you mean the guy that won you a World Series in 2005 with a team of really mediocre players? You don't want to even consider that guy. Why? I don't get it. It has to be because Kenny Williams, the general man, well, he's vice president now, but he's pretty much still doing the general manager jobs, too, that uh, Rick Hahn is supposed to be doing. But obviously, it's either uh, Kenny Williams or Jerry Reinsdorf really hate Ozzie Guillen. And if Jerry Reinsdorf hated him, I don't think Ozzie would have been hired back to do the pregame and postgame on the White Sox network. So I'm guessing it's Kenny Williams, and he's the guy that really needs to go. Because Ozzie Guillen is a quality manager. He's already proven that he can win a World Series. And if you're not even going to consider him, he's the fan favorite. There's no doubt about it. And the fact that the White Sox came out before anybody could even have a thought and said, nope, we're not going to be considering this guy. I don't know. That is a real screw you move to your fan base. I'm not saying you had to hire him. But that's a real screw you to your fan base saying we're not even going to consider him. It's like, why do you have so many better people that you can choose from to do this job? And for those of you who don't follow baseball, I know there's a lot of you that absolutely hate baseball. But Ozzie Guillen lost his job. Well, he got out of the White Sox because of problems with Kenny Williams. They didn't see eye to eye. And he went to Miami where he lost his job for 
being misquoted in the press. I mean, they did to Ozzy what they've been doing to Donald Trump now for the last four years, because Ozzy Guillen is a guy that always speaks his mind. He's calmed down a little bit now in the last few years, but he's always a guy that speaks his mind. And he's also a guy who came from Venezuela. So English is not his first language. I understand Ozzy always have. Don't know why. Maybe we're just on the same wavelength or something like that. But Ozzy was misquoted in the press. They ran kind of like Trump's fine people on both sides where they just took part of the quote and then didn't want to say what was said immediately after, which was, well, no, of course, I don't mean the neo-Nazis. In Ozzy's case, they were in Miami and he was a Venezuelan guy. So they're talking in Miami about what's important to people in Miami. And one of those things was Cuba and Fidel Castro, because there's a ton of Cubans in Miami. And Ozzy dared to make the comment that he respected Castro's ability to stay in power all of the years that he did. Now, he didn't say he liked Fidel Castro. He may have said, you know, he loved the fact that the guy, you know, could stay in power and it was totally taken out of context. Nobody would let the explanation follow, which was, you know, hey, this guy may be the worst. But you got to respect his ability to do what he's done. And that's not the world we live in anymore. You say anything that can be even uh, slightly taken out of context. And now his career is over. Nobody wants to even touch him, not because he can't do the job. But because he said something scary that people didn't like. And uh, I don't know. NASCAR went to crap the minute they muzzled the drivers from having personalities and Major League Baseball really no different in the White Sox here, just giving us a big screw you to fans saying we're not even going to look at Ozzy. I've said Ozzy Guillen, if he would have been hired by the Cubs to manage, it would have won me over. I would have changed for Ozzy. That's uh, no question about it. And if Ozzy winds up somewhere now, like uh, Boston, anywhere. I'm with Ozzy. That's the beauty of the internet. That's the beauty of being able to follow any team from anywhere. You don't really have to keep those loyalties going. If your local franchise screws you, yeah, can shop somewhere else. So we'll see what goes on here with the White Sox. But, uh, you know, I, it's good. They got rid of the manager that was a bumbling idiot in uh, Ricky Renteria. And it's good they got rid of Cooper, who, when you look at his stats, is one of the worst pitching coaches, except White Sox fans were so brainwashed, much like the liberal people are right now, to think that, you know, Joe Biden's great. Well, White Sox fans were just brainwashed to the point that they kept being told by everybody on the White Sox broadcast, like, yep, Don Cooper is one of the best. Well, I did something different. I went to baseballreference.com or one of those sites like that, Fangraphs, and I looked up the White Sox pitching staff year after year after year and looked at ERA and, you know, whip. And I looked at all of the numbers and it's like, you know, at the best, they're in like the lower third, a majority of the time. And I don't see that as meaning that you have a great pitching coach. 
But hey, this is what happens when the media lies to you. This is what happens when people can have the wool pulled over their eyes and they don't look any further and they don't do their own homework because they're too damn lazy to do so. Now, the Eddie Van Halen story, it was, uh, you know, when it comes to music, you know, if you listen to the Rock and Roll pre-show, if you've been listening to Random Thoughts, Grumpy Old Bands, my musical tastes are all over the place. I love Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. You know, I'll listen to heavy metal, I'll listen to rock, I'll listen to most anything. But I was never a big Van Halen fan when they were coming up. Was really more into the Mark Knopfler's and Tom Petty's and Bruce Springsteen's. But the death of Eddie Van Halen has made me go back and listen to the stuff again. And there's some excellent music for those of you who maybe missed Van Halen. But One of the biggest stories around Eddie Van Halen seems to be exactly how it came to be that he did the guitar solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It. One of the biggest hits in the history of popular music. Now, as the story goes, Quincy Jones, who was Michael's producer, who was doing the uh, Thriller album, wanted Michael to do a song on that album that pushed him a little bit further into the rock vein. Now, I mean, Michael Jackson was the king of pop. He wasn't the king of rock and roll. That was Elvis Presley. But Quincy Jones wanted him to do something that had a little bit more of an edge to it. So this is how Beat It came to be. And they wanted somebody that would be able to give this song the guitar solo, they wanted that certain sound. And it came down to the fact that Eddie Van Halen should be the guy to do the solo. Now, Quincy Jones, as the story goes, called up Eddie Van Halen like three or four times when Eddie Van Halen told him, you know, screw you, this isn't Quincy Jones and hung up on him. He finally convinced him. No, no. In fact, this is Quincy Jones. And he told him that, uh, you know, Michael wants to do this kind of a rock song and we're interested in having you do the guitar solo. And Eddie Van Halen thought about it and he's like, you know, um, yeah, okay, I'll do this, but I don't want to be credited as the person that played the guitar solo. And he didn't want his bandmates and Van Halen to even know that he played the guitar solo. There was a interview he did with CNN, and this is quoting Eddie Van Halen uh, of the solo. It just says guitar solo question mark or guitar solo Frankenstein. I said to myself, who's going to know that I played on this kid's record, right? Nobody's going to find out. Wrong. Big time wrong. It ended up being the record of the year. So Eddie thought this was no big deal. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he knew who Michael Jackson was, but obviously maybe this wasn't the type of music that Eddie was listening to. Maybe he didn't know the career path that Michael was on. And I mean, really, the career path Michael was on was pretty good. But when Thriller hit, that is the thing that really cemented him into pop music. So Eddie said, "Okay, I'll do it. He goes into the studio and quote Eddie Van Halen says, and lo and behold, when I get there, there's Quincy. There's Michael Jackson. There's engineers. They're making records. So maybe he still didn't believe that he was going to get to the studio 
and find that this was real, that they really wanted him to do this solo. And this is a quote. I was trying to find audio of this because this seems like a great story with Eddie telling it himself. Couldn't find that. So we'll just read this to you verbatim here. Quote, this is Eddie Van Halen talking about going in to do the solo. Quote, Michael left to go across the hall to do some children's speaking record. I think it was E.T. or something. So I asked Quincy, what do you want me to do? And Quincy says, whatever you want to do. And I go, be careful when you say that. If you know anything about me, be careful when you say, do anything you want. I listen to the song and I immediately go, can I change some parts? I turn to the engineer and I go, okay, from the breakdown, chop in this part. Go to this piece, pre-chorus, to the chorus, out. It took him maybe 10 minutes to put it together, and I proceeded to improvise two solos over it. I was just finishing the second solo when Michael walked in. And you know artists, we're kind of crazy people. We're all a little bit strange. I didn't know how he would react to what I was doing, so I warned him before he listened. I said, look, I changed the middle section of your song. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking he's either going to have his bodyguards kick me out for butchering his song or he's going to like it. He gave it a listen and he turned to me and went, wow, thank you so much for having the passion to not just come in and blaze a solo, but to actually care about the song and make it better. And obviously, the song is pretty damn good because it ended up being a huge number one hit. Uh, thriller, I believe, kept uh, Van Halen's album from hitting number one. And what did Eddie Van Halen ask as compensation for not only adding a guitar solo to one of the biggest songs in history, but also rearranging the song to have the whole guitar solo fit into it? Nothing. <laughs> he didn't ask for nothing. People that were at the recording session said, yeah, he may have asked for a case of beer. Later, Eddie said something like, yeah, you know, it was like a half hour of my time, really. What was what was the big deal? And uh, maybe rightfully so. My favorite. Yeah, well, not 10 minutes of work blitz. He said like 30. You know, I mean, he had to do a little bit of the arranging, he had to do something like that. But my favorite part of the whole beat it thing was Eddie Van Halen said that when the album was released, he was in a Tower Records store in sherman oaks california and he's just sitting there he's like i'm going through looking at albums or whatnot this song comes on beat it comes on the guitar solo hits and he's like there's these two kids standing in front of me who do they don't know he's there two kids standing in front of him the song's playing the guitar solo starts blazing and he's like the one kid goes to the other kid he's like would you listen to that that guy's trying to sound like eddie van halen what a poser and he said he tapped him on the shoulder and went, nope, that's really me. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing? You're in a record store. You're like, oh, this asshole, this asshole playing on Beat It. He's just trying to sound like Eddie Van Halen. And then Eddie Van Halen just taps you on the shoulder out of nowhere and says, nope, that was me. That's rock and roll history right there. No doubt about it. And uh, Eddie Van Halen, if you saw how the, the one odd thing was um, David Crosby 
was asked what he thought of Eddie Van Halen on Twitter and just responded back with like, meh. <laughs> and he was like, no, you know, uh, you know, Hendrix, he was he was an innovator, but, you know, Van Halen wasn't. I mean, he just made some really bizarre comments and it's like douchebag. I mean, I always thought David Crosby was a douchebag, but this just kind of cements it. I mean, you don't have to think what Eddie Van Halen did was the best, but you really don't need to make any kind of belittling comments. Why not just go? Yeah, he was pretty good. But uh, yeah, fuck that guy. That's what we're getting. Everybody in the troll room over at noagendastream.com as we do the show live. That's the comments they have for David Crosby. And I cannot disagree with them there. I listened to the final Van Halen concert, which I nabbed this week. That was back from 2015. And damn good band that was firing on all cylinders. The the sad story was the guy from Extreme said that Eddie told him like right before the COVID thing started, he was hoping to get Michael Anthony back to do one more tour with the original Van Halen lineup. Something, of course, that will never happen. And Dave, David Lee Roth told a story during that final concert, which I thought was interesting. He said back in 1984, he was up for a, like a ton of the music awards. I don't probably not the Grammys, probably like the American Music Awards, something like that. And he was really excited, except for the fact that We Are the World was also on the uh, on the table. And he's like, there was no way I was going to beat world peace. There was no question about it. So it was nice to be nominated for all these things. He's like, but I didn't have a whole lot of faith going in. He's like, but that was the night that I got my career appreciation award and that was because ended up sitting in front of him one row in front of him one seat over was the great james brown and he's like james brown comes in and he sits down and then he turns around david lee roth said and he looked at him and he's like you that david lee roth guy and david lee roth said yes yes uh, <laughs> yes i am and he, the great James Brown said to him, ah, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to clean up tonight. And he's like, I said, you know, thank you, Mr. Brown. And uh, I hope so. And then he's like, I lost again and again and again and again and again. He's like, and after I lost like the, you know, the 12th in a row, it went to commercial into a commercial break. And he's like, I leaned up and I tapped James Brown on the shoulder. And I said, Mr. Brown, I just have to ask you when you said I was going to be cleaning up. Did you mean like after the show with the broom or something? And, uh, you know, the, the bottom line was a lot of people think David Lee Roth is kind of a dick. And I mean, he does come across that way at times. But the fact that he said, you know what, that night, the biggest thing to him was not the fact that he didn't win all of those awards, but it was the fact that James Brown knew who he was and what he did for a living. And he said that was good enough for him. So maybe David Lee Roth isn't all that bad. And I was going through a bunch of music last night. My wife wanted me to add some stuff to her phone. And I was just going down the list because I've got a lot. And I was just reading off name after name after name after name. And one, I'm like, hey, you want some Louis Prima? And she's like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, how do you not know Louis Prima? He's the original Just a Gigolo guy. The song that David Lee Roth didn't do quite as well. I will give him that. But we did have a few things to deal with customer service this week and some good and some bad. So I just wanted to point that out. And what kind of happened? We talked about that in a show earlier in Random Thoughts. And it's it's something that I'm always interested in. As somebody that's worked retail, 
you know, as somebody that's been on the other side of things, I'm always curious how people are going to respond in a customer service situation. Now, the first was our our buddies over at Mindy's, which is a local joint here that does ribs and, you know, heroes and all that kind of stuff. They have a great steak sandwich called the Mafia Steak Sandwich, which is steak and onion and a little bit of the uh, mozzarella cheese and it's on garlic bread. And I mean, yeah, you don't want to eat it every day because it will kill you. But it is a delightful sandwich. Now, it was off the menu for months. So I knew there was a possibility there was some kind of an issue. And we all understand prices in the land of COVID have gone up and gone down. And it could be hard to get the ingredients at the price that you want because the sandwiches are like 12 or 13 bucks a piece. So they're certainly not cheap, but you know, they come with a potato or some fries, whatever you want. They you know, weren't on Twitter, which I was surprised because I just wanted to go black, you know, not blast them, but be like, hey, look at this. Because when we got the mafia steak sandwiches home, my wife picked a couple of them up after work one day. And one wasn't bad. It was about 80%. But the second sandwich, the meat did not cover half of the bun. I mean, it was kind of like the where's the beef thing back in the Wendy's days. There was just no meat. So I took a picture of it and used their web form. And in their web form, they do ask you for your email and your phone number. And I just left a simple message. I wasn't asking for anything, didn't demand anything. I said, look, you guys are normally solid. I just wanted to let you know whoever let these sandwiches out the door, especially the one of them, you might want to help with their training a little bit because that's not going to make anybody happy when you're selling a steak sandwich where the steak doesn't even cover half the bun. That's just a big bun. It's like a full thing of garlic bread, that kind of a thing. And rather than emailing back, of course, they phoned back with they would like to send a gift card. And so now you're just putting it on me again to waste time calling. It's like you could have just emailed. Email is easier. I am firmly in, you know, but I get it, I guess, when you're doing customer service, maybe you want that personal vibe. But in this case, you know, again, email, maybe it'd have been easier. But then my wife called back and then the girl that was that left the message was no longer there. And she just called a little bit uh, before I start doing the show. And the interesting thing was, you know, I heard the message that my wife left, which was, you know, hey, yeah, this Judd. Janie, I think it was, wanted to send us a gift card because we had a couple, you know, a problem with a couple sandwiches. You know, I just want to leave my address for her. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, the message I got was like, yeah, they're looking for their gift cards. It's like, well, no, no. But see, this is when you leave a message for somebody and it's passed on. You never know exactly what they're going to get. But I will give uh, Mindy's a thumbs up on caring enough to one call back and offer a solution. And they were nice about it. And she said, because I said, I, you, I know you haven't had this on the menu for a while. And she's like, yeah, you know, our prices went way up on them. So we pulled them and then we had a problem with the steak that they were using for them shrinking, which it's like, OK, see, now this is just confirming you have a steak shrinkage problem. And I hope they get it fixed. I mean, I get it. It's covid land, but go to the same steak you were using before and then just raise the price to 15 bucks or something. I mean, this is covid time. Do we get it? I just want the sandwich the way that it was the price. I can understand going up because we understand how the supply chain is working right now. You know, the times when my wife has to go into the grocery store, she's like, it's still weird. There's still certain things that just aren't on the shelf anymore. 
I mean, some things are fine, but there's still a weird supply chain problem with certain things. And that is obviously sadly affecting the great mafia steak sandwich. Now, the next thing was Xfinity, our friends over at Comcast, who we always have spoken highly of the folks over on Twitter. And I will once again say that they're at least responsive in doing their job. Sometimes things can get lost, I think, because it gets passed back between different people. They give you like uh, their initials at the end of every post, which I get they probably have to do that just to keep track of who is talking to you because there's multiple people sharing one account. It's probably more for their accounting end than anything else. But I mean, how do you guys feel about this? Because the first thing that hit me when I messaged Xfinity saying, you know, hey, look, I've been having slowdowns pretty much nightly. And it usually was happening, you know, Chicago time, like between nine and ten every night. And if we're watching something streaming like, hey, we're watching Bill O'Reilly, man. And all of a sudden it starts crawling and then stopping and then it takes a while and then starts up again. So it was never fully losing the connection, but we're on gigabit and you would go do a speed test and it would be like, yes, you're getting like one meg. It's like, no, well, that's not good. So something was happening. They didn't see anything on their end, but the first response I got from them was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I hope you had a good weekend. Did you do anything exciting? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this concept because a lot of people like they just get right to the point and they just be like, hey, fix my problem and don't it. You know, I don't want to. What, what do you mean? Do I, did I have a nice weekend? But on the other side, I mean, that humanizes the other side and it shows, you know, maybe that you're actually dealing with a person rather than a computer. So it's like I don't dislike the fact that somebody's like, hey, which I mean, I guess you could use the Dvorak method and somebody be like, hey, how you doing? Do you have a good weekend? Ah, go fuck yourself and then go on from there. But, you know, and, and when I look back on it, now I kind of feel like that was a nice thing to do. They tried to answer the question. And I'm like, well, I'd like to just upgrade from the gateway that I have, which I got back in February or so. I think I talked about it on the phone here on, on the uh, the podcast because we have the phones through Xfinity and all that. But if you don't have their gateway, then you pay for the bandwidth if you want to use more than your terabyte a month. So when I was looking at that point for the XP7, that was the greatest, newest one that was just coming out. It wasn't available in the area. And they said, well, yeah, you can you can upgrade to that when it comes out. So I just asked them, hey, can I just upgrade? Maybe this is the problem. I mean, I don't know. But maybe it was the gateway that's the problem. Can I get a new one? They're like, yes, here's the address for your local store. They have them. You can pick one up at any time. So, I mean, I, I, I really tempted fate. The wife was going out to pick something else up. I'm like, do you want to stop over at the Xfinity store and see how this goes? And I mean, it took like a half hour because there were other people waiting, but it was a simple swap. Got the new gateway, installed that one last night. And it actually worked as it was supposed to and didn't have any slowdown last night. So maybe it was a gateway issue. Maybe it was just something else going on. But now I need to uh, I need to do some research because the modem has a 2.5 gig Ethernet port on it. And so now I need to get a router that can handle 2.5 or, you know, I you want to use all that speed. I know Comcast over provisions a little bit. 
And when you want to, uh, when you want to get full speeds, you got to be able to handle more than the the gigabit speeds when you're using uh, gigabit Ethernet cards and all. Then you can get about 950 or so. Um, Blitz is asking if I still use a VPN. I do. I use a VPN on the one machine almost all the time. I mean, I turn it off to do these broadcasts and stuff like that. But when you're downloading, doing anything else, usually run the VPN, which will slow it down to like 300 anyway. But, uh, you know, I just like to be able to. It's kind of like having a hot rod. You're not always going to drive 100 miles an hour, but if it can do it, you want to do that every now and then. So we'll see. I need to just, I guess, upgrade some of the networking uh, hardware to see exactly how fast this Comcast thing can go. And they are very close from what I've read. to really upping the upload speeds because of some new things that they're doing with these uh, Doxis, the standard and all that to where, you know, it'd be really nice. I mean, the gigabit down is really nice, but I would love to have more, uh, more upstream bandwidth. We get like 40 megabits per second. Now you can always use more when you're uploading podcasts, uploading video and all that. You always want more, more, more. And uh, the last customer service issue was I, I think I was I would know I was talking in the troll room a couple of weeks ago about the fact that the cabinet we have that holds my vinyl records was getting filled. And the cabinet we have was a cheap thing. I mean, it was like from uh, Walmart. I think we got the original one from. But of course, Walmart doesn't have it anymore in the same color. You know, I think at Walmart, we got it for like 70 bucks. I found the same thing on Amazon. It was like 110 bucks now. This is a couple of years later, of course, and we're looking to match the exact same one. And it was branded as a company that was a uh, Better Homes and Gardens, which uh, it really isn't made by Better Homes and Gardens. You know, they just put their name on it. It's some uh, Chinese manufacturer that I don't remember the name at this point, but it, it looked like it had a uh, hard ride from the nice folks over at FedEx or UPS, whichever one of them delivered it, because there was a small notch in the box where it had obviously been, uh, you know, kicked, hit, dropped, something like that. And three of the wooden pieces had a crack in the corner. So it's like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. So I look at all the paperwork and there's only a phone number. And I hate that. There's only a phone number. There's no web address. There's no email address. There's only a phone number. And of course, you have to call between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. I think it was Eastern. So it's like, okay, by the time we were looking at this yesterday, it was already after the time. And I'm like, ah, well, let's see. I'll place the phone call anyway, just to see if anybody's there. Maybe their maybe their hours have been increased. And I placed the phone call, and there was a message that was said. Nope, our office hours aren't open right now. Call back during these office hours. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll play that game. You've already made me call you up. It's not during your time, but okay. I called this morning. I kid you not. It says if you're looking for replacement parts, press one or whatever it was, press one. And it said, please email us and then gave the email address. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Why couldn't you do this on your message that said you were closed at that particular time when there's no person there to talk to anyway? Why couldn't you have given me the email address 
in the message that said nobody was there considering you weren't giving me an option to talk to somebody it wasn't like here's our email address and then maybe if you want to talk to a representative stay on the line no it was like here's our email address click goodbye so i emailed them we'll see if we hear back from them if not i mean i guess that's the one beautiful thing about amazon is you just uh, send them a message and they come pick it up i feel sorry for the uh, fedex or ups guy but hey that's their job this thing probably weighed like 90 pounds or so so i mean i i I, you know this cheap press board that they use it's probably like a 50 50 thing of getting damaged i'm hoping this company will actually send me the replacement pieces that i need and it'll be nice and easy but we'll see how that one goes now i do have a couple people to thank as donors on today's show, I mean, we have experts over on Grumpy Old Bands. We need something. We need a moniker for those that have donated to the randomest podcast here on the No Agenda stream. But today, two guys, Keith Von Dyke and Brian Ginnick, both are on subscriptions. Brian's over on the uh, the Patreon site, the only one, the poor guy. He's the only one over on the Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts. Keith is using the PayPal link that can be found over at randomthoughts.com. And if you go there, you can also find the QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing or the P.O. box address. If you want to go the snail mail route like our buddy Sergeant Fred did. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Almost forgot here glad i mentioned that we also do have a donation from sergeant fred who used the snail mail option to send us a check to support both random thoughts and in one for grumpy old ben so we appreciate that sergeant fred he does a great podcast it's the 2030 podcast runs on the no agenda stream definitely check his show out it's good stuff you got to find more and more stuff that leads to our sanity rather than the absolute insanity that's going on in the mainstream media. I mean, it's sad when you go look at what CNN has come to, and you can always just tell it's always just going to be something blasting Trump. And I wonder what they're going to do when Trump is gone. I mean, that's when the mainstream media is probably totally going to collapse, but that's okay because we're going to go into a big socialist country anyway. It's time to leave. Who wants to get who wants to okay, who wants to get a compound together? Where are we going? Costa Rica? What country can we go to? What can we invade? What can we take over? Let me know. Darren D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, the viral or uh not viral. Well, I mean you can go viral, but it's just the uh the vile social media site, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L there or you can follow the show Random Podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Podcast over at Twitter. With all of that said, we hope you are enjoying what you're getting here on the Random Thoughts Podcast. We plan to be back next Wednesday to do it all over again. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.